0: Here it is!
1: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, it's usually the job of the Oxford English Dictionary to declare sometime in late November, early December, the successful contender for the title of Word of the Year. But I think it's fair and almost incumbent upon me to take over the job right here, right now. Because it's already supremely evident what the word of this year is. It is, of course, weaponize. It's uh, been made especially du rigueur by the Republicans who named a whole committee after quote, weaponization unquote, in the house. Not by the house. The house will be doing the investigating, thank you very much. But everything seems to be weaponizing these days. So Hello and welcome to an entirely weaponized edition of Hello, welcome to the show. Well, if you can find a less crappy song about balloons, you do it. From Santa Monica, California, the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now, something totally weaponized for your listening pleasure. News of the land of 4,000 princes. Our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. The rate of executions carried out by Saudi Arabia has almost doubled under the rule of the de facto leader, Mohammed bin Salman. The past six years are among the bloodiest in the kingdom's modern history, according to a report in The Guardian. Rates of capital punishment are at historically high levels, despite the push to modernize with widespread reforms and a semblance of individual liberties. That's my favorite uh, container for my liberties, assemblance. Uh, Activist groups say the price of change has been high, with a total crackdown on the Crown Prince's political opponents. What is he supposed to crack down on his supporters? And zero tolerance for dissent. Pledges by Prince Mohammed, who has consolidated extraordinary powers across the kingdom's business spheres, industrialists, and elite families to curb executions, have not been kept those pledges the new data shows that each of the six years he's led the country resulted in more state-sanctioned deaths than any other year in recent Saudi history between fit 2015 and 2022 an average of 129 executions were carried out each year that's an 82 percent increase on the period 2010-2014 last year 147 people were executed 90 of them for crimes considered to be non-violent. That'll show. On March 12th last year, up to 81 men were put to death. Hey, that's an all-time high number of executions in what activists believe was a pointed message from the Saudi leadership to dissenters, among them tribal groups in the country's eastern provinces. Funny, however, whatever else nations might agree on around the world... They don't like the tribal provinces. This uh, new report from The Guardian, prepared by two organizations, the European Saudi Organization for Human Rights and Reprieve, says quote, Saudi Arabia's application of the death penalty is riddled with discrimination and injustice, and the Saudi regime has been lying to the international community about its use. Continuing, the death penalty is routinely used for non lethal offenses and to silence dissidents and protesters, despite promises by the crown prince that executions would only be used for murder. For fair trial violations and torture, it continues, are epidemic and death penalty cases, including, may I have your attention please, torture of child defendants, unquote. Kingdoms consider one of the leading exponents of capital punishment in the region. The region being the Middle East, it's not a, shall we say, a soft region. Only Iran is thought to execute more people every year. In the uh, last six years, there have been slight increases in numbers of executions of children, women, and foreign nationals. Hey, let's go! As well as mass executions and executions for non-lethal offenses. A moratorium on capital punishment for drug crimes was recently lifted. Of course, you know, because Saudi PR has been working hard to let you know that the prince, Prince Bonesaw, has introduced extensive reforms across Saudi workplaces, giving women more access to employment, changing social norms that had for four decades, following the uh, Iran revolution, kept genders strictly segregated. But there was already little room for dissent under the kingdom's absolute monarchy. And now the prince has taken intolerance to new levels, political and business rivals subject to mass detention and financial shakedowns, family members of officials that have fled the country being detained for use as leverage to get them back to the kingdom. And then, of course, there was the uh, little thing with uh, Anand Khashoggi The death penalty is seen as one of the new regime's more visceral tools, says the Guardian, in an elegant choice of words. Just slightly weaponized. News of the land of 4,000 princes, ladies and gentlemen. Our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Now, you may not uh, have heard about the really quite frightening... Low temperatures in the northeast this weekend. Shocking, shocking wind chill numbers. But I know a place even colder the crypto winter. As the cryptocurrency market imploded last year, Gemini earned customers repeatedly asked the company if their assets were safe. Some of Gemini's responses reviewed by uh, the newsletter Axios emphasized connections to the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Customers say that led them to believe their accounts were insured by the government agency. (laughs) They weren't. It was a costly bit of confusion. Some 340,000 earned customers have now had almost $1 billion worth of... $1 billion worth of assets frozen on the platform. It's unclear if they'll ever get it back. Gemini's partner, a crypto lender called Genesis, is now bankrupt. And both companies are facing Securities and Exchange Commission charges for offering unregistered securities through EARN. New York State agency that regulates Gemini is investigating the firm. An agency spokesperson said they couldn't comment. Federal law prohibits anyone from implying that an in- uninsured product is FDIC insured or from knowingly risk representing the extent and manner of deposit insurance. In the uh, correspondence with customers reviewed by Axios, Gemini's discussion of FDI insurance appeared to reference the firm's deposits at outside banks, not its own products. But customers said they didn't appreciate the distinction. Plus, the safety claims concern it's stablecoin, GUSD, but not the yield-bearing earned product itself. Now, it's useful to remember at this point, I think, ladies and gentlemen, the whole shtick of cryptocurrency was, well, we didn't have to rely on the government for reliable financial tools and processes anymore. We could control it ourselves, our own hip selves. Current and former FDIC officials told Axis that while the FDIC language Gemini used is misleading, it's unclear whether it actually violates the law. Is it skeezy? For sure, said a former senior attorney at the FDIC meaning, I guess, sleazy. Is it illegal? I don't know, he says. I really can't say. In response to an Axios inquiry, Germany didn't comment. Well, once you steal the money, you really have nothing to say, do you? As recently as January 10th, the company emailed Earn customers that it was working to unfreeze their funds. Quote, The return of your assets remains our highest priority. And we continue to operate with the utmost urgency. Unquote. One email. And in response to a lawsuit from earned customers filed uh, last month, Gemini emphasizes they should have known the risks. Quote, among other things, enrolling in the Gemini Earn program, plaintiffs acknowledge that their assets were leaving Gemini's custody and that they faced the risk of, all caps here, total loss, unquote. Gemini didn't say explicitly that its EARN program or its stable, stable coin, GUSD, is directly FDI insured. Instead, on its website, in a section called FDIC Insurance, Gemini says that it's... Uh, stablecoin, is at least in part backed by dollars that may be held in FDIC eligible accounts at three banks. used a similar language in an email to an earn investor last July. He said, I've seen references to FDI insured. The reply he got two days later appears to be a standard response by customer service. I don't know what that is. I I own a Tesla. Quote, all fiat currency held by Gemini to redeem your GSD is held by our partner financial institutions in a secure account and is eligible for FDI insurance. That sounds like it was safe. Axios also heard from some customers who placed their faith or trust in the owners of Gemini cameron and tyler winklevoss the twins made famous in the film the social network their high profile and some customers perception that the twins knew what it felt like to be treated unfairly because of their experience with uh, mark what's his name um, meant it was less likely that they would uh, be involved in a scam Last August, the FDIC issued five cease-and-desist letters to crypto firms, including the now-bankrupt FTX, but not Gemini, demanding that they desist from making false and misleading statements about FDIC deposit insurance. The agency wouldn't comment on Gemini in response to an inquiry from Axios. Maybe they just don't like Axios. According to a filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, End of January, electric vehicle manufacturer Tesla disclosed it had recorded a $204 million gross impairment loss last year on its Bitcoin holdings. Simultaneously, Tesla recorded a gain of $64 million from converting BTC into dollars. What are these dollars? At various points during the year, resulting in a net loss of $140 million. From its cryptocurrency trading activities, and you thought they just made electric cars. The filing further explained the impact of volatile crypto prices on Tesla's bottom line. Quote, digital assets are considered indefinite lived, intangible assets under applicable accounting rules. Accordingly, any de- dec- decrease in their fair values below our carrying values for such assets at any time subsequent to their acquisition will require us to recognize impairment charges, unquote. In uh, the first quarter of 2021, Tesla invested a million, uh, sorry, a billion and a half dollars in Bitcoin. At that time, Mr. Musk announced the electric vehicle manufacturer would start accepting Bitcoin payments for their vehicles. You remember that? And then very quickly, he skedaddled away from that. And if it's not good enough for Elon and in uh, Japan, collapsed crypto exchange, FTX's Japanese outpost has told customers it will permit them to withdraw assets this month. According to the register, the British tech journal, a post from FTX Japan states the outfit plans to allow withdrawals through its liquid Website Liquid liquid, was a Japanese crypto exchange acquired by FTX a year ago. Co-branded the service. The return of assets is possible thanks to Japan being one of the few nations to have comprehensively regulated cryptocurrency exchanges. In fact, three different rounds of laws regulating crypto. First, in response to... uh, the thr- theft of crypto coin from Mount Gox, the original crypto trading exchange, I believe, way back in 2015, then the 2018 coin check heist, didn't hear about that, and the rise of initial coin offerings inspired further regulation, and just last year, Japan again passed crypto-related laws as it sought to deal with stable coins and the rise of NFTs. Result of all that lawmaking is crypto exchanges in Japan are required to register with the financial services agency, demonstrate they can comply with anti-money laundering laws and similar regulations, set aside capital reserves, and separate customer assets from those of the uh, business itself. That's what got Sam uh, Bankman freed into so much trouble, not segregating them. Since FTX acquired Liquid after most of these rules were in place, FTX Japan should have been in a decent position to ride out the woes of the parent company, and it was. But the collapse of FTX was so sudden and spectacular that FTX Japan went offline along with its parent. The Average Tech Journal Register reported, in December of last year, FTX Japan posted weekly updates advising investors of the assets it held and promising to work on allowing the owners of those assets or their own investment assets to withdraw them. Those updates included an apology. FTX Japan staff could not log on to their systems to access the funds to hand them out. The organization now appears to have sorted that out. This week's update states that this month, customers will be able to withdraw their assets and download documentation needed for their tax returns. Glad they thought of that. So FTX Japan customers will be able to log in and get their money just as soon as FTX Japan tells them when this month they can do that. Ooh, it's a crypto winter. Santa Monica. This is the show, and now, ladies and gentlemen.
0: He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He pees at no stoops. He's an inspector
1: general. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you've seen, I guess, if you uh, watch television aimed at a those of a slightly older age group you've seen those commercials for medicare advantage plans um the thing that always strikes me weird about them is they they start in um mid-october go all the way through november and you know are hustling to the you know get to the phone before the uh, enrollment period ends in early december and then after Christmas, he adds her back. Joe Namath? Jimmy J.J. J. Walker? Money! Well, here's what's behind all that. Medicare Advantage plans for seniors dodged a major financial bullet this week. Government officials gave them a reprieve for returning hundreds of millions of dollars or more in government overpayments some dating back a decade or more. That's according to Kaiser Health News. The health insurance industry has long feared that the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the CMS, would demand repayment of billions of dollars in overcharges the popular health plans received as far back as way back in 2011. But in a surprise action, CMS announced it would require next to nothing from insurers for any excess payments they received, From 2011 through 2017, CMS will not impose major penalties until audits for payment years 2018 and beyond are conducted, and they have yet to be started. The decision could could have cost Medicare plans billions of dollars in the future, but it will take years before any penalty comes due. And health plans will be allowed to pocket hundreds of millions of dollars in overcharges and possibly much more for audits before 2018. Exactly how much is not clear because audits as far back as 2011 haven't yet been completed. Five years ago, CMS officials said the agency would collect an estimated $650 million in overpayments from 90 Medicare Advantage audits. From 2011 through 2013, the most recent ones available, some analysts calculated overpayments to plans of at least twice that much for that three-year period. CMS is now conducting auguts, audits for 2014 and 2015. Through the years, these audits and others conducted by government watchdogs have found that health plans often cannot document that they deserved extra payments for patients they said were sicker than average decision to take earlier audit findings off the table means cms has spent tens of millions of dollars conducting audits as far back as 2011 much more than the government will now be able to rec- recoup in uh, 2018 cms pa- says it pays 54 million dollars annually conduct 30 of the audits without including uh, Extrapolation for the years 2011 to 2017, CMS won't come near to recouping that much. The uh, Deputy Administrator, Derek Harrigan, called the final rule a common-sense approach to oversight. She said she didn't know how much money would go uncollected from the years prior to 2018. Health and, sermon, uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra takes the rule, quote, long overdue steps to move in the direction of accountability. Going forward, this is good news. We should all be happy that they're doing that extrapolation, said former CMS official Ted Doolittle. But he added, quote, I do wish they were pushing back further and extrapolating further e- earlier years. That would seem to be fair game, he said. Last week, Kaiser Health News Released details of the 90 audits from 2011 to 2013 obtained through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. The suit found about $12 million in net overpayments for the care of 18,000 patients sampled for the three year period, and all 71 of the 90 audits uncovered net overpayments, 1,000 per patient on average. CMS paid the remaining plans too little on average, anywhere from $8 to 700 per person, per patient. Since 2010, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has threatened to crack down on billing abuses in the popular health plans. They now cover more than 30 million Americans. Thank you, TV ads, I guess. Medicare Advantage is run primarily by major insurance companies. As opposed, to, as opposed to by the government. So we don't really have government health care, or government-funded health care in this country, at least for 30 million people. The industry has succeeded in opposing extrapolation of overpayments, even though the audit tool is widely used to recover overcharges in other parts of the very same Medicare program. That's happened despite dozens of audits, investigations, and whistleblower lawsuits alleged that Medicare Advantage overcharges cost taxpayers billions of dollars a year. Medicare Advantage plans also face potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in clawbacks from a set of unrelated audits conducted by the Health and Human Services Inspector General. The audits include an April 2021 review alleging that a Humana Medicare Advantage plan in Florida had overcharged the government by nearly $200 million in 2015 alone. The Office of the Inspector General's Senior Advisor for Managed Care said the agency has conducted 17 such audits that found widespread payment areas, errors, sorry, on average, 69% for some medical diagnoses. In those cases, the health plans, quote, did not have the necessary support for these conditions in the medical records, which has caused overpayments. Although the Medicare Advantage organizations usually disagreed with us, said the uh, advisor for managed care at the inspector general's office, They almost always had little disagreement with our finding that their diagnoses were not supported, she said. And while the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services had taken years to conduct the Medicare Advantage audits, it also faces criticism for permitting lengthy appeals they drag on for years. They've done sharp criticism from the Government Accountability Office. That's sort of the Inspector General cognate of Congress an acting director of that office said that until SEMA speeds up the appeal process it will fail to recover improper payments of hundreds of millions of dollars annually so now you know how they can afford Joe and Jimmy JJ you're paying for him and now ladies and gentlemen some news from this week you uh, probably know by now, I certainly hope so, that according to CBS News, well, there's still a CBS News. The, um, at least part of the transcript, the videotape of Donald Trump's deposition last summer has been made public, available for all to see and hear and enjoy. It's uh, in a lawsuit filed by New York Attorney General Letitia James against Trump, His kids, his company, his cat. He doesn't have a cat. He hates dogs. You know that. Um, Regarding the practice of the alleged practice of Trump companies of hiking the valuations they put on their properties when they're seeking loans and lowering the same valuations on the same properties when they're filing their taxes. She calls it fraud. Anyway, the uh, newsworthy part of the deposition, the tapes, is that, as you probably know, years ago, Donald Trump said, you got to be guilty to take the Fifth Amendment. This year, he feels differently.
0: Anyone in my position not taking the Fifth Amendment would be a fool, an absolute fool. I respectfully decline to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution. This will be my answer to any further questions. The 2019 Statement of Financial Condition contained false and misleading valuations and statements. Is that correct? Same answer. You knew at the time it was finalized that the year 2019 Statement of Financial Condition contained false and misleading statements. Is that correct? Same answer. In preparing the 2019 Statement of Financial Condition, uh, Mr. Weisselberg and Mr. McConney worked at your direction and followed your instructions to inflate asset valuations on the Statement of Financial Condition by employing
1: false and misleading assumptions. Is that correct? Same answer. Same answer was the Fifth Amendment. He took it more than 400 times during the course of that four-hour hearing.
0: Mafiosi take the fifth Turns out to be a media myth Like a hammer The amendment's just a tool When a new witch hunt is underway Righteous people just gotta say You don't take the fifth You're a fool. And numbers are just a number. Same answer. Same answer. They asked me 400 questions. The Fifth Amendment was my friend. Same answer. I kept. Repeating my answer Till the depositions end Same answer Memorized it all by heart Didn't need to read it Same answer They tell me I broke the world record Four hundred times the fifth Same answer, same answer, same answer same answer. You never know. Same answer. You never know. You never know when you need it. Same answer.
1: And now news of our friend the atom. Ladies and gentlemen. Authorities scanning a remote Australian highway for a teeny missing radioactive capsule have found it by the roadside after a challenging shirk search Likened to trying to find a needle in a haystack, except it's radioactive. <laughs> State emergency authorities announced the discovery midweek, six days after the capsule containing highly radioactive cesium-137 was discovered missing from a package sent 1000s or oh, sorry, hundreds of miles—from a Rio Tinto mining site. That's the name of the company in northern Western Australia to the capital, Perth. I said Perth. And I said Perth. Locating this object was a monumental challenge. The search groups have quite literally found the needle in the haystack, said the state emergency services minister, Stephen Dawson. The capsule's disappearance sparked a massive search of the highway with specialized radiation radioactive detection units and prompted warnings to the public not to approach the capsule, which could have caused serious burns on contact with skin. Authorities believe the object somehow fell off the back of a truck as was being transported 870 miles along the Great Northern Highway from the mine. Rio Tinto, which had been using the device in a gauge at its iron ore mine, said it regularly transports and stores dangerous goods as part of its business and hires expert contractors to handle radioactive materials. In a statement, Chief Executive Simon Trott said the company was incredibly grateful for the work undertaken to find the capsule and apologized to the community for its loss. The capsule's loss, that is. Quote, well, the recovery of the capsule is a great testament to the skill and tenacity of the search team. fact is, it never should have been lost in the first place, he said. We're taking this incident very seriously and are undertaking a full and thorough investigation into how it happened. Unquote. The uh, chief health officer of, um, I guess, Western Australia, said it doesn't appear anyone was exposed to the capsule's radiation during the time it was missing. It does not appear to have moved. It appears to have fallen off the truck and landed on the side of the road. It is remote enough that it's not in any major community, so it's unlikely that anybody has been exposed to the capsule. According to authorities capsule was placed inside a package and collected from the mine site by a contractor. A couple days later, the vehicle spent four days on the road and arrived in Perth on January 16th, but it was only unloaded for inspection on the 25th when it was discovered the radioactive capsule was missing. The incident came as a shock to experts who said that handling radioactive materials like cesium-137 is highly regulated with strict protocols for its transport, storage, and disposal. Radiation Services WA, that's Western Australia, says radioactive substances are transported throughout the state on a daily basis without any issues. Quote, in this case, there seems to be a failure of the control measures typically implemented, it said in a statement, adding that it, Radiation Services Australia, Western Australia, had nothing to do with the capsule's loss. And that's the good news. Now here's some bad news. News of the godly. Catholics of the diocese, in the spotlight of a Vatican abuse inquiry, were warned this week to brace themselves for a period of Pain and shame, as investigators establish the truth behind the shock resignation of their bishop. this is from the Catholic Herald Archbishop Malcolm McMahon of Liverpool said in a pastoral letter to the diocese of Hexham and Newcastle that he understood the feeling of shock, bewilderment, and anger felt by many people at revelations in the media concerning the sudden de- de- departure in December of Bishop Robert Byrne. The 66-year-old Orotarian stepped down almost a decade before he was due to retire, saying the demands of his office were, quote, too great a burden, unquote. It emerged last week, however, that an allegation of abuse made against him by a priest of another diocese has been referred to the police. Newspapers have also reported that sex parties were held at Cathedral House during a period of lockdown, though the bishop might have been unaware of them. Reports also said Bishop Byrne attempted to move Timothy Gardner into Cathedral House, even though a Gardner, a former Dominican priest, was convicted in 2014 of making 5,005 images of child pornography. That extra five is for extra jive. Archbishop MacMahon, who had been appointed Apostolic Administrator of Hexham in Newcastle, said in his letter that the diocese has entered, quote, unsettling times. Now we switch to Canada, where a powerful Canadian cardinal who was twice accused of sexual assault will retire this coming April, according to the Vatican's news service being quoted by the Washington Post. The announcement didn't mention the allegations against Quebec Mo- Cardinal Mark a., who was head of the Vatican's powerful bishop's office he was once also considered to be a strong contender for the papacy. Instead the new service had Pope Francis had accepted Wies' resignation upon reaching the age limit for cardinals which is 75. Wies is 78 so he reached the limit a few years ago but uh, so several other heads of major Vatican departments according to the Independent National Catholic Reporter his retirement could bring more scrutiny to the allegations. It also draws attention to Francis's handling of the affair coming just a week after the Catholic leader told an interview that he wanted more transparency regarding the church's handling of abuse. Anne Barrett-Doyle, co-director of the advocacy group Bishop Accountability Org, noted that the announcement came less than two weeks after a French Catholic publication reported on the new sexual ...abuse allegations against Ouillet. The timing is suggested, she said in a statement. She said Francis should be more transparent. Is his mo- removal from office a sanction, she asks of Ouillet. He was once considered a reformer within the Vatican... ...on issues of abuse. He called the child sexual abuse outrage that engulfed... ...Canada's Catholic Church, quote... ...a source of great shame and enormous scandal... Unquote, in 2012, and said the church's handling of the allegations was often inadequate. But in August of last year, a class action lawsuit filed against the Archdiocese of Quebec detailed new accusations against him personally. He was accused of inappropriate touching, including kisses, massages, and remarks by a woman initially identified only as F. According to the lawsuit, the instance began roughly 15 years ago when Ouillet was Archbishop of Quebec and the woman was a pastoral intern. Pamela Grolin later publicly revealed herself as F and she was facing, she said, threats and intimidation from the Catholic Church. Ouillet denied all allegations and denounced the alligators. No, sorry. And in December, he made the highly unusual move of counter-suing Groline for defamation, seeking $100,000 in damages. Canadian. The uh, Catholic publication Goliath Ebdo this month reported on a second allegation of sexual misconduct made against Ouillet in 2020. That's a French weekly published a letter from Cardinal Gérald Lacroix, current Archbishop of Quebec City, telling the unnamed complainant that the allegations were not being pursued. The uh, allegations against Ouillet, a bit awkward for Francis. He was the face, Ouillet was, of several Vatican responses to allegations of abuse, including the alleged uh, sexual misconduct of former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, who was Archbishop of Washington, D.C., From 2001 to 2006, he, initially dismissed the allegations against McCarrick as a political plot that lacks any real basis. A church investigation later led to trial that found McCarrick guilty of sins against the Sixth Commandment with minors and with adults and removed him from the clergy. The woman, originally known as F reported A to the Vatican in 2020, reached out to Francis himself a year later, according to the lawsuit. In a statement in response to the lawsuit, the Vatican said Francis had determined there were, unquote, insufficient grounds, unquote, for a canonical investigation. I said canonical. It soon emerged the Vatican had charged the investigation of the matter to a priest who knew Ouie well and with whom he was a fellow member of a small religious association. And we're in Canada, a charitable organization founded by the late Jean Vanier, issued a report this week saying the Canadian, Mr. Vanier, sexually abused at least 25 women during his decades with the group. L'Arche International commissioned the report, which identified 25 women who experienced a sexual act or an intimate gesture involving Vanier between 1952 and 2019, go boy, go. But according to the independent findings from a commission of independent French scholars, that number could be higher. The commission assumes that 25 is lower than the actual number of women concerned, said the report. Vanier, son of former governor general of Canada, worked as a Canadian Navy officer and professor in Toronto before founding L'Arche. The nonprofit group provides alternative living environments where people with developmental disabilities can be full-fledged participants in the community. The report was commissioned by L'Arche to better understand the actions of Vanier and Reverend Thomas Philippe, a Catholic priest whom Vanier had called his spiritual father. A previous report made public three years ago, concluded Vanier had manipulative sexual relationships with at least six women in France, between 1975 and 1990 and used his power to take advantage of them. Well, what good is power? The new report says the relationships between, between Vanier, who died in 2019, and the women were part of a, quote, continuum of confusion, control, and abuse. News of the godly, ladies and gentlemen. And now the apologies of the week. So sorry. We go first this week to Connecticut, where State Senator Tony Wang was quick-witted when an unmuted fellow lawmaker, State Representative Travis Sims, Democrat of Norwalk, let loose with some random curse words during a public hearing held by the Transportation Committee. The incident occurred Monday during testimony by the Commissioner of State Department of Transportation who was discussing the state's Vision Zero initiative aimed at reducing vehicular pedestrian and bicycle fatalities. Huang from Fairfield in his eighth term in the legislature and a top Republican on the committee was in the middle of several questions when Sims suddenly blurted to expletives. Sims profanities have been scrubbed from the video recording in the moment, which was first reported by... A Hartford Current columnist. The candid moment elicited a chuckle and a quick ad lib from Wang. Quote, Welcome to the world of Zoom, he said. On Wednesday, Sims, in his third term, said he was sorry for the slip up and that his unmuted graphic remarks had nothing to do with the legislative business at hand in that moment. I was thinking of something else. It's a great all-purpose excuse, isn't it? Former welterweight champion Kel Brook has held his hands up and apologized after a video of him taking drugs went viral among boxing fans. A boxer taking... The special one, I guess he's known as that, at least according to World Boxing News, was filmed snorting a line of cocaine by an acquaintance subsequently circulating in the public domain. Brooke, the special one, has now released a statement after facing criticism for his actions. Quote, I messed up. I hold my hands up and want to apologize to my family, gym, friends and fans, he said. It's no secret that I struggle with mental health. I'm finding retirement really hard. I'm actively seeking the help I need to get me on the right path. Again, I apologized for the hurt I've caused, he said. Yeah, it is so rough to stop hitting people. Deadline Copenhagen, a former member of the Russian private military contractor, the Wagner Group, is seeking asylum in Norway, and he now apologized to Ukrainians living in that country. They object to his presence there. Quote, I'm a scoundrel to you, but I only ask you to take into account that I have come... ...to realize that... ...although belatedly... and ...Andrei Medvedev... sent an excerpt... ...for his interview to the... ...Norwegian broadcaster... ...NRK... ...Nerk... ...I ask you not to condemn me... ...and in any case I apologize... ...Medvedev said... ...he said he fears for his life... ...if he returns to Russia... ...he lives in a center for asylum workers... ...in Oslo... ...he illegally crossed into Norway... Across the um, 125 mile long border with Russia earlier this month. Medvedev said he left the Wagner Group after his contract was extended beyond the July November timeline without his consent. He said he's willing to testify about any war crimes he witnessed, and he denied committing any himself. How fortunate. Deadline Honolulu, two days after Governor Josh Green accused State Senator Kurt Favela of harassing his staff, the lawmaker is apologizing. But he isn't backing down from his criticisms of the Green Administration's housing plans for Hawaiians. If I hurt any of his staff, then I apologize. If the governor felt that I was bullying his people, I apologize for that, unquote. the apologies for comments he made last week about State Housing Chief Nani Maderos at a Hawaiian Homes Commission meeting. Nani has nothing or no knowledge about Hawaiian people. I don't care if she says he's Hawaiian. Just remember now, the devil also was an angel. Remember that. So just because you're Hawaiian doesn't mean you have passion for the people, he had said. He was not apologizing for the words he used at the meeting, but he was apologizing for upsetting Madero's. You figure it out. The uh, governor has filed harassment complaint. I will not tolerate anyone from my team being treated this way. Favela said he wasn't questioning Madero's ethnicity, but he didn't back away from his criticism. I never said she wasn't Hawaiian. I know she's Hawaiian. But being Hawaiian doesn't mean you can do the job and you can get things done, he said. Don't know what the devil said about that. He's an angel, too, sometimes. Monterey Park City Manager Ron Bow apologized to the city's fire department this week, said he should have acknowledged sooner that department's first responders role and their pain in responding to the mass shooting in Monterey Park last January 21st. Remember that one? Quote, Our fire department took a back seat, Bo said at a news conference at City Hall. Trauma these first responders experienced caused everlasting effects. Unquote. The shooting at the Star Ballroom Dance Studio, which killed 11 and injured 9, deeply affected the fire department, said the chief, and the lack of recogni- recognition had been felt. A Bay Area California television station said the man accused of attacking Paul Pelosi with a hammer in his home in October called the station this week after a Superior Court released audio and video of the attack the same day. From the San Francisco County Jail, David DePap, or Pape, who's been uh, charged with attempted murder, elder abuse, and federal kidnapping charges in connection with the attack, called KTVU's Amber Lee, telling her he had an important message, claiming that he carried out the assault on Pelosi because people's liberties were under attack. He also eerily apologized for not hurting more people. And from Great Britain, an apology long in coming, Police forces have apologized for profound failings which have continued to blight relatives of victims of the Hillsbury disaster. That was uh, an occurrence at a football match in uh, Liverpool at a stadium, which is where you would usually have them. On behalf of all 43 forces, police chiefs have uh, promised, quote, cultural change. They admitted policing got it badly wrong in the aftermath of the... uh, stadium crush, and a range of key lessons had been learned. Ninety-seven Liverpool supporters died as a result of the April 1989 disaster. The National Police Chiefs Council and the College of Policing published a joint response to a report published five years ago, which consulted the families. It's the first reply from a major public body to the report published by former Liverpool Bishop James Jones. Bishop Jones said a change in attitude was needed to ensure the pain and suffering of the families who spent decades fighting for justice was not repeated. He also called for a charter for bereaved families. In the response, Chief Constable Andy Marsh, the College of Policing's chief executive officer, said, for what happened as a senior policing leader, I profoundly apologize. Policing got it badly wronged. This, uh, in the wake of the police at the time blaming members of the crowd for the injuries and deaths, the apologies of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show back next week same time same radio station on your audio device of choice whenever you want it and it'll just be like having a balloon land in your ocean liner if you'd agree to join with me then would you already thank you very much uh-huh a tip of the show out of the san diego desk to pam halstead And to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with this week's broadcast. The email address for this program, where you can get Cars I Talk t-shirts, Ask Your Dad. As well as the playlist of the music heard on this program, Ditto. And uh, the email address for this program, Ditto. As well as a lot of stuff to read and hear and watch and think about, maybe too much. That's at harryshearer.com. And, uh, yeah, damn it, I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change Is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.